Friends don't let friends decorate for Christmas until after Thanksgiving. Or so a friend's blog read this week. This may be sound advice. Typically, I am on board with this type of scheduling. October for Halloween, November for Thanksgiving, December for Advent, not Christmas, or at least not until we get into later December. Advent is when we wait and dream about God's reign on earth and imagine anew Christ's birth in our hearts. And typically, that's enough to keep me going through December. But not maybe this year. At least, not yet. For this is the first Advent in my recollection I want to skip rather than savor. This Advent, I desperately want a Savior who's already here, who will kick down the door and make things right. I want the Savior to leap from his crib fully grown, collect all the weapons in the world, and with his bare strength, create some hand tools and send the bad guys into a community garden. I want a Christmas miracle where the people of the world look and see the human person in front of their face rather than a stereotype. And overwhelmed with compassion, they fall to their knees and ask for forgiveness. Follow that up with a really good warm embrace. Then release the doves, roll the credits. This vision brought to you by Isaiah, providing peace-filled, God-inspired dreams for over two millennia. And probably, because I know that that's not how Christ usually works, I will settle for some Christmas movies before Thanksgiving and anything that can get me into the holiday spirit a little bit faster. Because who doesn't want Christmas? And yes, I want these Advent visions too. I want peace on earth. I want to read the Christmas poetry that is so beautiful it brings tears to my eyes and fills the internet with Facebook shares. I want all of these things, and I want all the things our society tells me I can have. And I want them to make the world better all December long, maybe even all fall long, but definitely by Black Thursday, Friday. Because sometimes it's difficult to wait. Sometimes it is terribly difficult to slow down, let alone to be still. And sometimes it can seem as if slowing down is the absolute wrong thing to do. And by wrong, I mean hardest. For sometimes when we slow down, we are confronted by the emotions and thoughts we didn't even know we were running from. When all of our physical and mental distractions are peeled away, we are left to confront the deeper truths and mysteries of ourselves, and perhaps the mystery of the Holy One. I feel as if I have been living Advent this month, looking for hope and waiting. I've been processing my trip to Israel-Palestine, and it is difficult to find a silver lining in the midst of some of the tragic circumstances I encountered. I'm grieved by all of the illness and tragedy in our small corner of the globe. So lately, when I slow down and sit in silence, Tears start pouring down my face. Being still is not necessarily easy or fun or joy-filled in the moment. There's a part of me that would like to skip the hard stuff, 
pretend the tears are not just under the surface, and jump headfirst into rollicking Christmas celebrations. Which is why, in uncharacteristic style, I've been listening to carols and watching Christmas movies for the past 10 days. Yes, that would be one week before, Christmas, before Thanksgiving. You may recall that last Thanksgiving, I rediscovered Dickens' Christmas Carol. I went to a phenomenal production of, the, of it at the Goodman Theater in Chicago. Well, this past week, I continued that tradition with tickets to Marley's Christmas Carol, which is now playing at the Marin Theater Company. It's an imaginative look at what changed Marley, Ebenezer Scrooge's miserly partner, into the spirit that helps Scrooge himself convert from his destructive ways. Marley and Scrooge, according to both productions, were difficult hearts to open even a crack. But open they do, and the transformative storytelling and physical comedy was well worth the price of admission. I'd bet even Isaiah would approve of these two misers' stories. Talk about beating one's sword into a plowshare. For Isaiah says, They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. At first read, this passage is so familiar, so known to us, isn't it? And we may skip right to the good stuff, war no more and walking in the light. Which is why I like us to consider for a moment the literal details of Isaiah's metaphor. I looked up images of pruning hooks and plows. Turns out, in numerous images, the final version of a pruning hook looks an awful lot like a sword or a spear with a curve or bend in the end of the blade. They are different for sure, but there's a significant similarity, at least in the tools that are not modernly mass-produced. No longer meant to jab and pierce, the curved blade wraps around a branch with care, and with a tug, the tree is trimmed. A blade that was meant to take life, and perhaps to protect it, now opens the ground to make space for life-giving plants. The transformative part of the story is where God works the blacksmith's magic. We may miss that part of the story in the metaphor, but just like Scrooge's long night of spirit visits, a blade also has a long journey to becoming a plow. Let's imagine that transformation. The blade had to go back to the smithy. It's thrown into a blazing hot forge, heats up until it's red hot, and is beaten with a hammer to create a new shape. When the blade cools, it's heated again, making it supple and able to be changed by the swing of the hammer. And after numerous trips in and out of the forge, countless hits by the experienced craftsman, the tool now has a new shape and purpose. It's allowed to cool and begin anew. And when life heats up, it's tempting, isn't it, to want to dodge the refining fires, skip the transformation, It's tempting to want to be cooled and thrown into the ice bucket prematurely. It's tempting to stop before it's just right. Tempting to stay busy enough to not think about and push away the emotions and the work in order to jump right into the crowd and sing fa-la-la-la-la at the top of our lungs. It's tempting, I think, to try to escape 
some, even into something that is so good and comforting, like this season can be. Because we all need a little Christmas. And if we can keep Christmas and love and peace in our hearts, then all the better. But peace and transformation take time. It takes moving through the stuff that comes up in the silence in order to calm and clear one's head, in order to be able to, be lis- to listen for the peace that comes. Being silent and allowing the Spirit to bring us into all the pain and disease or fear that we've been running from, that we've been told we can keep at bay with busy schedules, flashy purchases, and all the wonderful distractions that our culture allows. But I think it's only when we move through those fires that we can truly find the peace that we seek. For when we are quiet, when we are still, we can listen deeply to the spirit that lies on the other side of our whirling thoughts. Then the still, small voice, peace, bubbles up. And forgiveness seems an obvious path. For when we are centered, that is when the life-giving sense of awe and peace can envelop us and the healing hope abound in the presence of the one who knows us best. For prayerful silence is where God's beauty and fire work on our will. They forge our hearts, and sometimes that forge can be white-hot with grief or with pain or with joy, and sometimes it can be smoldering. But God's mysterious presence, holy, gracious spirit, can always bang away at our hearts, and bang she will, until we shine and reflect God's love perfectly. And of course, it's not always easy, or fun, or jolly. But Advent is about hope, and waiting, and knowing that love is with and around us even when life gets hot, even when there's pain, even when there's Christmas music all around us. We live into Isaiah's dream and become part of the story as we take time for silence and stillness. We allow God and God's light to burn brightly in our hearts and in our lives. So rather than wait for prayer and to talk about it, let us do some prayer together. Let's sit and be still. Remember the end of the passage. We are sitting And we're still because God is here. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that you are surrounded. And may our hearts be open to God's light and whatever may bubble up for you this morning. May we embrace God's love and hope. And may we do it in silence.